No, I want to thank Pastor Aaron. I know, um, yes, we have, we do go back a ways. You had long hair. I had brown hair. And uh, just one of the things that I appreciate is, uh, is the fact that he doesn't, you know, I, I, he doesn't just have anybody speak here. And I said, I was telling a friend of mine, I said, I'm a bit nervous. And he goes, well, how could you be nervous? You've done this, you know, over 20 years. Like, why would you be nervous? And I said, because, I said, it's simple, because I have to get this right. And there's not ever a time where I would get an opportunity to share the word where I'm not going, oh, boy. You know, I mean, we build lives on this. I build my life on this. I hear what I'm preaching to. My ears are closer to my mouth than your ears are, you know. And God often does that. You know, I'll say something in a sermon, and I'm like, I, I need to go forward, you know, um, because I've got to get it right. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that, that, that this isn't just a spot so he can have a Sunday to kick back. And so I'm very, it's very sobering and very good, and I, I appreciate that. My wife and I are grateful. I've been in vocational ministry for, like I said, remember 20 years in children's ministry down south and in youth ministry in western Pennsylvania and, uh, and then church planted and, and campus pastored and, and things. And the Lord about, oh, a little, I'm not going to give you all the nitty gritty, but a little over a year ago started stirring in our hearts. And um, about a year ago, actually, it was a year ago this Sunday that we had our final service. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because it's a totally sovereign God thing. I know some people in the church, I kind of make jokes about it, but, you know, when a pastor leaves the vocation, sometimes there's the, uh-oh, what's the scandal, you know? And there really isn't one. I said, this is the most boring departure. You know, it was just totally God saying it's time and I've got other assignments and things. So we went, you know, okay, well, I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to not go to church. I had friends say, oh, take a few weeks off. We took one week off and said, I hate this. I need to get with the body of Christ. And so I have friends who have pet churches. Well, we'll visit your church. And we visited a couple churches and it was nice, and you're kind of thinking, should we plug in here or there? And the way we wound up here, it's not just because I knew Pastor Aaron, um, because one thing about the Assembly of God, you kind of know everybody after a while, is, you know, interesting how we found our way here. And I share this just to kind of remind you of the ripple effect of things that you do that you may not realize. Um, we're actually here because well, I think it goes back from my knowledge to Maria Cornell inviting her boyfriend, Chris, and Chris worked with my son, Matt, so Chris invited Matt, and then Matt had us watch the live stream of the Father's Day service with Pastor Aaron's famous road to Damascus joke. It's a true story, and I went, I have to go, <laughs> you know? Like, I love this man, you know? And uh, so we just felt right away, we just the... Uh, the love, the acceptance, the part of the family, the, you know, we appreciate the excellence and the the hunger to get it right. And we just, you know, there's still times where we're like, yeah, we should visit our friend's church. And then I'm like, but I don't want to miss something here. You know, seriously, it's like, I don't want to miss something. And that's just a special thing. I know you've been told a lot. Uh, what's going on here is not the norm right now, and you may get tired of hearing that, but say that, and I say it again, so you can hear it again, so you can realize that God is doing something. It's not because of Pastor Aaron and Pastor Chris, as awesome as they are, uh, it's the Lord sovereignly doing something, and so sometimes you just ride the wave, you know, and uh, 
And so I'm grateful and grateful the way that you've welcomed my family and I. Um, anyway, I do have two children. I have two granddaughters, which I get to see next week. So I'm really thrilled about that. They're my, what, five months old and then my granddaughter's three going on 15. Uh, those of you with a three-year-old girl know what that's like. And uh, so we're looking forward to all that and just love being here. And so once again, thank you for that. This morning, I want to talk to you about taking your supplements. Oh, I know. I know you're laughing. It's like, oh, no, it's going to be in essential oils and, whole, and health food, you know. And I have learned in years of ministry, there are three things you do not make jokes about. Essential oils, Hallmark movies, and cats. If I made that mistake one time, and I won't tell you the cat joke now because you will leave. I thought it was clever. Now, I, I would, Brian, later. Um, <laughs> see, now you're egging me on. It's not good. It's not good. No, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff, although there is a lot of attention on those now, especially in the age of COVID, you know, to, to be healthy and to, to make sure that we are taking the proper things. And there's also a lot of attention being put on that with athletes who will take those, those supplements to try to boost their game and their performance. They want to enhance their playing ability. They do it to give them that edge and make them stand out and give them better numbers and get on the better team and make the better money. The problem with that is, A, it's cheating, and B, it's usually not healthy in the long run. There are, however, healthy legal supplements, you know, whole juices, natural proteins, moderate amounts of caffeine. I don't know what moderate amounts of caffeine are. And good old-fashioned dedication, taking supplements to stay healthy and maximize daily life is one thing. Searching for that magic potion to fast track what should come through hard work is another. So what does this have to do with your walk with God? This is not a health seminar. I am not going to give you that. I love you too much. Uh, what does this have to do with, with your walk with God? Where am I going with this? Well, metaphorically, in a lot of ways, it has everything to do with our walk with God. You don't have to be a genius to know that we live in a time where we better know what we believe. We better know, we better have that firm foundation. Because when everything goes wrong and everything goes, things go the way we don't like, we need to know that we, have, we are on solid ground and have been from day one. See, there seems to be a desire to fast track our Christian growth. Like, the, let's, let me find some magic potion to cheat or to, to fast track certain things in my physical life. There seems to be that desire to fast track Christian growth. Now, I am a big proponent and a big fan of of reading people's books and teachings and devotionals. And if I can, if I cannot make a mistake because I learned from somebody else's, that's just part of how we grow together. You know, sometimes that fellowship is done in somebody's book because I don't know where they are, you know, kind of thing. And to share those stories, I'm not anti that, but I think it can be this, oh, you have that, you got to read this book, you got to read this book, you got to read that. And you can get so inundated with these things because it's kind of like the fast track, the quick step, and it doesn't always work that way. It really does not always work that way. I've had so many, you know, if I were to just read every book that everybody told me I needed to read now, I would read nothing else, especially this one, because it's rare that they tell me to read this one. You know, between reading every book that comes down the pike and trying to get maturity zapped into me at the altar, and I've tried that. Oh, God, I just want to get over this. Take it from me. 
you know? And, and there's things he does deliver us from at the altar. Don't misunderstand me. Thank God. But then there are things that you, we need to walk out. We need to grow through what we go through. I grew to realize that fighting the battle between what my new creation in Christ wants to do and my old self wants to do was going to take more than a wish list. You know, I've had people say, oh, you know, Rick, you seem to like have, you know, kind of wisdom in all of these different areas, like I'm some kind of genius or something. I said, no, I was just really messed up in all those areas. You know, and, and, and I just, there was just that thing that said, well, I'm not, I, could, I could stay messed up and have excuses that really would only make me feel better in the moment, or we, okay, God, we're going to go to the mat. You know, the, the scripture of Jacob wrestling with God at the river is one of those I can relate to because it's like, oh, man. You know, that's not the text this morning, but that's just a little freebie for you there. Okay, those, those tough times where you see God changes Jacob's identity and his walk, hello, uh, you know, are the things that we need to do as we wrestle with these things. But we need to, sir, some things aren't fast-tracked, and we need to be in it for the long haul, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. This is not a time for us to settle for the bare minimums when it comes to our relationship with Christ. This is not a time for us as, as the people of God to just say, well, you know, I'll go to church on Sunday, maybe three times a month, you know, twice a month, three times if I'm feeling holy, uh, you know, and this is, you know, just the barely get bys. We just, I don't think we've ever lived in that era. We really don't now. When every little misgiving and misdeed we can do can get broadcast to the world. You know, we need to have that firm, firm foundation. So talking about those supplements for life, those things that, that will help move us forward the way we're supposed to move forward, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. There's that word with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if, underline the word if, it's not automatic, if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Let me just pause there for a second means keep growing in them. It's not a one and done. They keep you from what? Being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if, there's that word again, if you practice these qualities, listen to this, you will never fall. Now, I don't know about you, you know, I'm reading that going, okay, God, maybe I'll never fall. I might, you know, skin my knee every now and then, you know, stub my toe. You know, there's going to be trials. There's going to be things that we, we, we go through and we grow through and all those things. But the promise that if we do those things and we can, we can keep increasing in them, Wow. And I don't think in this day and age, and I'm going to reference that a couple of times, but I, I don't think that we, we, 
in this day and age, we can overlook something that is going to say, you do these things, you'll never fall. I, I don't know about you. I want, I want to eat from this table a little bit. When we have the mindset of just having faith and then try to live from emotion to emotion, and I don't knock emotions, by the way. God made us partially emotional people. I think our emotions need to get a little more involved in our walk with Christ, to be honest with you. You know, I had somebody once as a youth pastor going, I just, you know, Pastor Rick, I just want to, like my teenagers, I just want them to have more passion. I'm like, they have passion? I've seen them shop. You know, passion isn't the problem. It's where it is aimed. And our emotions aren't the problem. It's where we've got them aimed. You know, what do we get excited and passionate and emotional about? How you can look at the cross of Jesus Christ prominently displayed in this building and just not be moved. Wow. Wow. We just can't stagnate, though, and just... Going from emotional experience to emotional moment on Sundays. Not that we ever could, but we find enough things to fill the space. And even now more than ever, we have got to. We've got to keep growing and go deep, die to self, all those things. I'll get to in a minute. Now, of course, we believe that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. I will, I will always be in agreement with that. Peter is not talking about salvation here. He's talking about a significant, victorious life that doesn't just happen. You know, it's a significant, victorious life that is not a matter of the, the quote-unquote cheating kind of supplements I mentioned in the beginning. It's not a fast track. It's not a fast track. It's a refinement, it's a growth, it's a maturation process. When we're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence and helps us learn and grow. We know that. Your desire to even want to be here is the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Your desire to want to be part of a small group is the move of the Holy Spirit. Your desire to want to pray for somebody in need, for what, think about all those things that we, that are part of our normal life, and I hope they are, is actually evidence of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. That's pretty awesome when you think about it. You know, the Spirit of Almighty God, God Himself, God the Holy Spirit, directing in these things that to us look very practical. I, I used to always think that if it's a move of the Holy Spirit, it would be preceded with an angelic choir, some fanfare. And very often it's, it's preceded by dirt on my hands and an alarm clock going off. The problems start to happen when we want this world more than we want what God has for us. And I don't know about you, but I've had occasions where the want for the things of this world more than a want for the things of God, that I have learned to disguise those as spiritual things. I've learned to make them sound spiritual. You know, I have my spiritual reason, my spiritual sounding reason. We all know the lingo, you know. And if you really want to sound spiritual, do it in King James. Sitteth, walketh, goeth, you know. Sometimes I'd pray like that thinking God was so impressed. Oh, thou Lord God. Uh-huh. You know. Because I just think that's more impressive to him, but it wasn't. Some of the more impressive prayers were just me on my knees in tears because I didn't know what to say. I'm not, he's not impressed by my fancy words, which is great. Because then it's pressure's off, you know. The pressure is way, way off. 
This kind of stuff grieves the Holy Spirit when we come to a place where we have to decide whether or not to take up our cross. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we substitute or we try to disguise the desires of the world with the things of God. We try to make them sound spiritual. And then we have to come to the place where we're going to say, will I or won't I take up my cross? And in that scripture, the word there that challenges me most when Jesus tells us to take up our cross is the word daily. Because I can do it when I want something. I'm really good at it when I want something. God, one guy said, yeah, my kids teach me, treat me like I'm God. They go, what do you mean? He goes, they ignore me unless they want something. You know, but it can be like that. You know, we can disguise it. Take up our cross daily. It is a battle to do this. If you're going, Pastor Rick, that is hard. Yes. Yes, welcome. Join in the fun. You know, you've got a room full of people that are going to walk side by side with you. We'll figure this out and encourage one another and spur one another on to good deeds. You know, by the way, that scripture in Hebrews which says spur one another on, true story. It's from the Greek meaning irritate. Some of you just found your ministry. Okay. It's true. So before we look at the list of supplements that Peter talks about and look at their benefits, let's look at why. It's important to know the why. Let's back up a few verses. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let's just stop there. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God has made an investment in you. Not just, you know, first of all, if it was just the cross, it's way more than we deserve. But he also puts his spirit in us, gives us his word, and gives us all things pertaining to life and godliness the more we get to know him. There's an investment on his part. And I think that kind of investment demands a response back. And and that response back is not ignore him six days a week. Just a thought. Just a thought. Jesus didn't die and then leave us to fend for ourselves. It was the Christian life that attracted me to Christianity. The people of God that I got to know, that I saw, it wasn't just about, you know, praying a prayer and not going to hell, which is pretty good, (laughs) you know. But it was the life that came with it, the way to live. It's just amazing. God has made that investment because God paid the price and made the ultimate commitment and loved us with the ultimate love. Shouldn't we want the ultimate relationship? Look at how verse 5 starts. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Yes, faith is all you need to make it to heaven, but it's not all you need to have a fulfilling life here on earth because if it was, the Bible wouldn't be teaching this. Make every effort... To supplement literally means to be hasty to add to it. In other words, get right on it. Don't waste any time. Our faith in Christ should give us the drive to keep going and keep growing. Because we know him, because his spirit lives in us, because we are his child, because God has made this grand investment, 
It should motivate us. So we should be quick and eager to supplement our faith with things for the purposes of knowing God better. I took a 10 and a half mile hike in the woods in the winter after we had that snow. It was nice to finally have snow, by the way. And I, what was it, last year I went and did the full get my snow blower tuned up. And then I didn't need to use it. Now, man, you know how it is when you have a power tool that you can't use? I, I was tempted to mow the lawn with it. I had to do something with it. And so finally, we had enough snow that I could fire this baby up, you know? Something about the, the smell of the fumes. Oh, you know? See, when you're younger, you're thinking of a motorcycle. I'm at that age now where it's the snowblower. It's bad. But I didn't care. I did not care. But we had that snow, so me and two friends of mine, two, by the way, two men 20 years younger than me, we decide we're going to go hiking. And it was one of those at the pinnacle, that kind of terrain, 10 and a half miles in the snow. Some areas I couldn't see. They're making comments about which one of us would be, you know, left behind for the bears, you know. And then they're looking at me, you know, the old guy. I'm like, I am like beef jerky at this point. The bears, you know, so they're going to be... You know, I said they're hibernating. Anyway, so we went, but we have these marked trails. And we were, there were some areas where the marked trail is, was so steep and snow covered. And I had, you know, trekking poles to try to figure out footing. There were honestly thoughts. I'm like, you know, I really don't want to try this. And then realized I don't have a choice. I'm either going to stagnate here or I'm going to do what it takes. And I'm going to, I'm going to navigate this and learn and conquer my, not fear, but conquer my apprehension. And it's the same. We are growing in our, in our faith. We need to be walking in Christ. We need to be maturing. We need to be supplementing our faith with these things. And sometimes it gets hard, but we really don't have much choice. Not that's life-giving. When we talk about more than just faith, James 2.26 comes to mind. When we say faith without works is dead, that's because faith instigates action. It can't help it. But we can resist this when fear or uncertainty get in the way. That's why we need to be taught and reminded. I was helping uh, when my son was playing Little League. I was one of his coaches, and I figured my coaching would probably last as long as, you know, his abil- my, my coaching ability, I could still teach him something. You know, that his ability as an athlete wouldn't surpass that. So I did that till he was nine. It's true. But one of the things we never did was teach a discipline once. Now, those of you who've coached kids, you know, yeah, you got to tell them the same thing a hundred times, which is why we need to be studying this word. And I will tell you, and one thing to keep in the back of your mind beyond today, if a verse of scripture is being taught and it's something you've heard a lot, I make the mistake of shutting my brain off or shifting it into neutral because I read that before until I realize God may be wanting to say something new. He may be wanting to highlight something else out of this, right? Because I got to be taught a lot. Oh, I heard that. I heard that sermon before. Good. There's a reason God needs you to hear it again. So we need these things that supplement our faith. And the first one we're told to add is virtue. Now, this is an older word that we don't hear much, but it literally means moral goodness, moral excellence, and purity. Why is this important? Because we need a foundation of a pure heart. 
We need a foundation of moral goodness to grow. We need to be able to receive the word of God with, on the best footing possible. So we need to have that. We need the foundation. If you have faith in Christ, but no intellectual or moral foundation, then the faith can get misplaced. It can get misplaced and it can get placed in things that are, that are not of God, that are temporal, that are, we need to have that foundation so our faith is placed in Christ and Christ alone. Isaiah 33, 5 and 6, that the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times. Just rest there for a minute. Whew. I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in that. And then it says, abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. God is our foundation, and his ways are the stability. Everything's changing and not for the good, except this. Build your life on it. Well, Pastor Rick, that, that's not really popular. Was it ever? Because I could, I could stand here and irritate a lot of folks by talking about things that are popular you don't want to build your life on. Virtuous thought means our minds are fixed on the way God wants it and not the way society wants it. And that's where our mind needs to be. Virtuous thought means our mind is fixed on what God wants, the way he wants it. So add to your faith God's moral foundation and focus your thoughts and actions there. And after virtue comes knowledge. You don't check your brains when you get saved, although some people... Anyway, this is knowledge of God. We call it discipleship. Remember that? I know you guys do. Many believe even hold on to the strict set of rules and claim it's virtue, but they don't grow in what they know about God. They only grow in what they want to know about God. Now, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm like everyone else. I like the desserts in here. I love the bless me's. You know, I had somebody go, Pastor, every promise in the book is mine. I said, oh, when Jesus said in this world, you'll have tribulation, because that's a promise. Oh, no, not that one. Right? We have to, it's what we, what we need to grow, what we need to learn, where we need to be broken and remade, where we need to experience God moving in our lives and that new creation kind of living. As an illustration, I have to be careful around here because I may incite a revival in some of y'all, but we sometimes treat this like shady maple. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know, yeah. I, sorry, I'm editing. Um, we just go back for the goodies. And going for the goodies is not necessarily the problem, but we can't ignore the whole counsel of the Word of God just because we don't like it. Colossians 1.10 said, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Look at it this way. Romans 17, 10.17 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing to the word of God. So the more godly knowledge, the stronger your faith. It's, it's why? Because the more we learn, the more we know God, the more we know God, the more we can imitate God. 
I mean, think about, you know, there's people that you know what they're thinking, you finish their sentences, you know, you, you kind of, you know what they're going to do before they do it, usually called your spouse. But you, why is that the case? Because you know each other. It's not a joke, you just know each other. Well, we should know God that way. We don't have to wonder what he wants because we know what he wants. Not out of arrogance. The role that virtue plays in all this is it's the proper way of thinking to prevent perverted teaching. It also keeps our hearts humble and teachable. Humility is vital in all this. Virtuous thought prevents warped knowledge because virtuous thought requires that you focus on Christ and not arrogance. And it's very easy to get puffed up in your faith. Paul warns the Corinthian church about it. Very easy to do. So to faith add virtue, to virtue add knowledge, to knowledge add self-control. Ooh. We don't like that one. That means I can't blame somebody. The old school word for self-control is temperance, and this is someone who masters their desires, passions, and appetites. That's the King James Greek lexicon definition. Having the desires doesn't make you good or bad. It's what you do about them. In Judges 16, we read the tragic account of Samson. He started out as somebody set apart for God, the Nazarite vow. He was judge over Israel and was mighty in battle. We know the story. What did the enemy use to defeat him? You say Delilah? Well, I think it was Samson's inability to control himself. Delilah was relentless. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, you're this mighty judge of Israel. Why can't you just get up and leave? There's things, that, things I think about when I study, you know. Sometimes they really sound deep and theological, and sometimes it's as basic as, well, dude, why didn't you just leave? He had faith, virtue, and knowledge, but his inability to control his appetite cost him everything. Giving into the lust of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life will rob you. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, and it's sad on many levels, is where Samson did not know that the Holy Spirit had left him. He was so taken by his passions he couldn't even tell. And then begs the question, if the Holy Spirit's ministry in your life was suddenly gone, would you know? Or have we become so engrossed in different causes that we've lost the desire for the still small voice? Just a question. And I'm asking it to myself too. To self-control, we add steadfastness. This is the reliability. How nice is that? The count on, faithful, stick to it. Don't walk away when it gets hard. Because who said it was always going to be easy? If they did, they were lying. Right? Stick to it. Reliability. There's a teaching going around that if it's tough, it's not from God. That does not have biblical support. Although I may tell you, I wish it did. We have example after example in the Bible of men and women hanging in there against all odds. We're in a spiritual battle, and there will be resistance. Sadly, only a few press through. Steadfast, constant, Endurance, do these words describe your walk with Christ? Steadfast, constant, enduring. There's a phrase that I learned a long time ago because I used to have it backwards. It says the absence of pain isn't proof of the presence of God and the presence of pain isn't proof of the absence of God. I used to think, well, if everything was stress-free, you know, that 20 seconds in your year, you know, it was that that's, 
God's presence in my life? Well, not necessarily. Sometimes we have those moments of blessing and mountaintop experience and seasons of refreshing, and I strongly encourage you to praise God and thank Him for those. Don't forget Him in those. You know, sometimes I think the Lord allows trial to come in my life because it's one of the few ways He can get my attention. But very often we get it backwards. Trials grow us. Trials grow us, just like anything with fitness, weightlifting. You want to have, you know, a better build, you got to do stuff you don't like. You got to lift weights you don't like to lift. You got to run. You got all this kind of stuff. You know, I got my Fitbit on, and I did notice during, during praise, by the way, my heart went into fat burn mode. It did. So I'm like, ooh, praise your way to a better, anyway, you know. But then I thought, what if we had a Fitbit that measured our spiritual growth? Would I even want to look at it? Anyway, as we, ouch, hang on, let me, let me get the Almighty's foot out of my backside. Hang on. To this we add godliness. This is a word like virtue that we tend to attach our own meaning to. The Greek here means reverence and respect towards God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Reverence for God comes from the revelation of who he is. You cannot get a glimpse of who he is without being in awe, because if you're not, you didn't get a glimpse of who he is. Remember this when we pray. Remember who you're talking to. When we lose the awe and wonder of who God is, our faith becomes a convenience and not something we give our lives for. Christianity is meant to be world-changing and not a weekly ritual. In both the Old and New Testaments, we read how God punished, annihilated, loved, and rescued because he's the Almighty. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge because we have things in their rightful order. We're not God. Just as children are to be trained up because they're not little adults, we are not on par with God. He is Lord. We know that. We sing it. If I were to ask you, you would get it right on the quiz. But we need to make sure that our posture in prayer, in worship, and how we live our daily lives measures up with that. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's just the manifestation of who we are. Jesus took the punishment so that we can experience God's grace, but in no way means that he's not almighty and worthy of praise. And no, God's not watching over the balcony of heaven waiting to whack you for messing up because Jesus took those scars. But this doesn't mean he's silent. It just means we should be all the more awestruck at the cross. If we supplement our faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, and godliness, it's going to be seen in the way we treat each other. Because next is brotherly affection, where we get the root for Philadelphia, which I know we don't like. We don't usually associate the word Philadelphia with affection. Yeah, but it is. Let me default so I don't offend anybody. I'll just default to cream cheese and then we're fine. But that leads to the agape or unconditional love of God. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you're my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. And once again, that's what attracted me to Christianity looking out for the betterment of each other and having unconditional love is how people are going to know that we follow him. It's how they're going to know we're his disciples, growing in the knowledge of him and who he is. And now you know why the enemy tries to sow discord. 
in the body of Christ and have us get attitude about other people in here. Because if he can water down the expression of love for one another, he waters down our witness. And we don't even see it coming. And then 2 Peter 1, 8 through 10 sums it up. It says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. I want to reiterate that. That's, that's encouragement beyond encouragement. So let me ask, has your faith felt a little flimsy or just an emotional event? Has it become that? Has it just become something that you're not living by anymore, really? Then it needs supplements. It needs virtue, that faith from a pure heart that comes from the cleansing blood of Jesus. Knowledge, in other words, grow up. Self-control, don't live a secret life that cancels your public impact. Let me say that again. Don't live a secret life that cancels your public impact. Steadfastness, be a reliable person of your word. Reverence for God that shows itself in love for one another. And then verse 10 says, if we practice these, we'll never fall. What a promise. We don't know how 2021 is going to unfold, but so far it's been a doozy. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about like Pittsburgh losing to Cleveland in the playoff. <clears throat> you know, I'm just, who saw that coming, right? But the people of God can still live a steady, even keeled life if we stay on the narrow road. We can. We'll make 2020 jokes, 2021 jokes. We'll use humor to process things. It's fine. I do it all the time. At least I hope it's fine because I do it all the time. <laughs> to realize what I just did there. You know, God reminds me he watches over his word to perform it, not mine. So I need to make sure I'm on par. But we can still live victorious, even keeled, joy-filled, faithful lives. Yes, we'll go through things. Yes, we will process things. Yes, we'll be refined. But... Like most of you, I've, I've read the end of the book and we win. Growth doesn't get zapped at an altar, but an altar is a place to start. The prayer of agreement is powerful and you can mark January 17th, 2021 as the day that you surrendered this part of your walk to, the, to Jesus and invited the Holy Spirit to help you make it. So as we get ready to close the service, I have my mask, pastors have theirs. If you need prayer, anything I said made you feel uncomfortable, which is for me very often how the Holy Spirit <laughs> moves, you know, in me, lets me know it's him. You know, we sometimes try to run from conviction. Let me tell you, that's because, and I know pastor's sermon a few weeks back on the upside down king kingdom. You know, the world convicts to put you in chains. The Holy Spirit convicts to free you from chains. So if there's conviction, it's God saying, I want to free you. 
So if any of these things hit a nerve, you're like, and I've just been going on cruise control, Pastor. I'm not, I, 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 gotta, I gotta double down. If you need prayer to mark the moment and ask, we'll pray agreement that the Holy Spirit helps you through this. Then come forward, avail yourself, you know? But I appreciate you listening. I appreciate the opportunity that the Lord's given me to share. I hope and pray, as I was saying, God, just speak through me. Sometimes it comes out of this vessel a little funny, and I'm aware of that. But I never want that to negate the powerful word of the Lord. So let's stand together as we close. Father, you're awesome. Jesus, we are so thankful that you brought everybody into this room today. And Lord God, that you would touch our hearts, that we would have an insatiable hunger to grow in our knowledge of you, to know you so well, God. To know you so well, Lord Jesus, that our lives reflect it. People can tell just by looking. Father, as we go from this place today, I would ask Holy Spirit that you would lead us into those encounters with people who need hope, who need life, and that even in what we think is the smallest thing we say or do, a bright light will shine. Fill us with your joy and your power and your peace. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.